Hello, my name is Kelly Bramblett and I am passionate about helping others live a high vibe lifestyle so that they're able to feel their absolute best. I am a self-help author as well as a certified general life coach and law of attraction practitioner. I specialize in both trauma recovery and mindset coaching. You can learn more about my work and my weekly blog by visiting my website at www.kellybramblett.com or to make it easier, just my first and last name.com. I am so happy you've joined me here today for this high vibe podcast episode. So if you're ready, let's go ahead and dive in. Hello and welcome, welcome, welcome to this week's High Vibe podcast episode. This is a really special episode today because it's actually the first episode in season two. I've taken a little bit of a break for about two, two and a half months or so while my family and I relocated from Arizona to Colorado. So we had to sell our home, find a new home and all of that stuff that goes with that process. So I kind of had to take a step back from my podcast and um, a lot of my work actually just to focus on the task at hand, my family, our home, and making sure that I was available for all that that process required of me. I'm happy to say that we are settled into our new beautiful home in Loveland, Colorado, and I'm excited to be getting back to it. So this is officially the start of season two of Kelly Bramblett's High Vibe podcast show. I have some really, really amazing amazing guests lined up for this season that I cannot wait to connect with and share with you all. And today's guest, who I am still pinching myself, I'm so excited to have her on the show. Becca Ehrlich is here with me today. And before I kind of tell you a little bit about Becca and bring her on, I kind of wanted to tell you how I even came across Becca and her work. During this two-month hiatus of moving and everything, I became obsessed with a show on TBS called Lost Resort. What I really loved about this show is it brought spirituality and a lot of these healing modalities to the forefront, and it just really got me excited to see that we as a collective society have gotten to a place where these practices are more accepted and people are really becoming more open to new and different ways of healing than just the traditional ways that we've all been used to for so many years. I know the show did get some flack by some people in the spiritual community saying that, you know, when we bring it on in these networks and treat it this way, that the work's not being honored, that it somehow makes this work less sacred. And I have to say, I could not agree less with this sentiment. While of course, you know, they bring in some aspects to keep the viewer interested, I feel like the more that we bring this kind of like different and new ways of healing to the forefront, the bigger the opportunity is for more people to be exposed to it, to learn about it, to see what resonates with more people. So I personally think this is a wonderful step in the right direction for the spiritual community and for these spiritual practices. With that being said, when I watched this show and I witnessed Becca's story, my heart was just in awe of her. Such a beautiful soul. I could just sense it just radiating from just watching her on the television. So once I finished, I said, I, you know, I have to try to get her on my show. I just loved 
loved watching her and I really wanted to speak with her and bring her on the show. And lo and behold, I reached out to her and she's just finished writing her first book. So timing really couldn't have been more perfect. So a little bit about Becca before I bring her on and introduce her to you guys. I have some really great questions. I'm so excited. But Becca Ehrlich is an ordained pastor in the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America and a doctoral student with a focus on Christian spirituality. A Christian minimalist in a consumer society, she got rid of 60% of her personal possessions in six months, took part in a year-long shopping fast, and moved into a smaller home. She also participated in a three-week retreat that was documented on the TBS TV show Lost Resort. Becca lives in Philadelphia with her husband, Will. Again, I'm so thrilled thrilled to have Becca on the show. We're going to take a quick break and then I will be back to introduce her and really get into it with these juicy questions I have. Welcome Becca to the show. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm really, really looking forward to this interview. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This is going to be a blast. I'm excited. (laughs) So I'm just going to jump right in. I actually have more questions to ask you than I've ever had for any guest. <laughs> if oh, wow. okay. it or not. I know I was just so fascinated by so much of your work that, and I wanted to fit so much in. So I'm going to just like jump right in and get to it. But before we really get started, um, can you kind of tell my listeners what Christian minimalism is and how did you get started on your spiritual journey with this? Yeah, so um, minimalism, the way I describe it usually is it's a focus on the aspects of life that matter most and intentionally removing everything else. And so what I do is I do that from a Christian perspective and spirituality. So I connect those two things together. And I kind of started on this journey uh, by accident, honestly. (laughs) Um, I was, uh, I have a chronic illness. And so I had a bad health day and I was sitting on the couch hanging out and I was um, you know, browsing Netflix and you know how they give recommendations for you based on what you watch. I watch a lot of documentaries and, uh, they suggested this documentary called minimalism. And I was like, I don't know what this is, but it's only an hour and 15 minutes. So why not? Um, so I clicked on it and it changed my life. You don't usually watch Netflix and you think your life's going to be changed, (laughs) but that's what happened. Um, and then I realized they were talking about meaning. And for me, meaning is also a part of my faith. And so I was like, oh, hey, I can, I'm wondering what other people are doing with this. And it turned out no one was really doing anything in great depth. And that's when I was like, well, I can't be the only one that's interested in this. I'm going to jump into it and see what happens. And um, turns out there's a lot of people that are interested in it, which is great. You know, it's funny. I've actually seen that documentary before as well. And I watch a ton of documentaries. I watched it. I think it's been at least a year since I've seen it. So I, I kind of remember it. And I do remember I was impacted by it, but it also kind of scared me because they went very minimalist, like almost with nothing. I was like, that is very scary to think about going from like, you know, the way most of us kind of live, feeling this attachment to all these things to like everything. But I was reading in your bio, you mentioned that you, when you started this journey, you got rid of 60% of all your material possessions. Mm -hmm. So what was that like? Was that like scary for you or was that easy to let go of that stuff at that point? No, um, I think I, I just underestimated how emotionally attached we get to stuff, um, which is funny because we're like, oh, it's a thing. It's not a big deal. And then you start thinking about getting rid of it you're, and you start having this visceral reaction. <laughs> um, and you have to sort of confront why you accumulated stuff in the first place. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of an, 
interesting psychological and emotional work process that you kind of have to go through while you're getting rid of stuff. So, you know, it looks, the decluttering movement right now is very trendy, which is very different than minimalism. Minimalism is a lifestyle Mm -hmm. um, that also talks about intentional consumption and what that looks like. um, Whereas decluttering is just getting rid of stuff. Um, But it, yeah, it's, it's, it's a psychological and emotional thing as well as a material thing. And so I, I definitely did not expect that. But with that said, um, we did it in six months, which was kind of insane. Um, I wouldn't suggest that for everyone. Yeah. (laughs) You can definitely (laughs) take it at a slower pace. Um, but it was great. And I mean, we still 40% of our stuff, right? So I didn't go to the same extreme that the minimalists did in that documentary. And like, if you go that extreme, that's great if you want to mm-hmm. do that. Um, but for me, I needed something that was a little bit more moderate and somewhere in between. It wasn't where I'd been living previously, but also wasn't stark with like no stuff at all, basically, you know? Yeah. I love that discernment between decluttering and then this as being a lifestyle. Um, I've never really thought of it that way. And so, yeah, that is kind of, I love that discernment between those two things. I think that's really important because that is a huge difference when you put it in that way. I mean, that's like you said, you're, you've adopted a lifestyle that you're going to continue probably forever. Would you say at this point? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm in this for life. And yeah. what it looks, but what, with that said, what it looks like at different points in my life is going to look very different, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, I always say that, you know, a bachelor being a minimalist is going to look very different than someone who has a spouse and three kids. So um, yeah. it, it, it all depends on where you are in life and your life context and where you live and what works for you, right? Like um, my husband and I would not work well in a tiny home. Yeah. <laughs> we just know that, right? So so we have, we have, uh, uh, we live in a twin house in Philadelphia. That's, you know, 1700 square feet and that works perfectly for us. Um, so it just all depends on what works for you. It's not a restrictive lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It's a prescriptive lifestyle. So it gives you guidelines, but you can kind of work with it and make it what you want to. Right. Within the space you're in. I love that. So what would you say that some of the benefits to this lifestyle are for, for people who might not know that much about it? Yeah. So a lot of people think of about the stuff, right? Cause that's mm-hmm. the most obvious thing. So you obviously have a lot less stuff around you and you, it helps, you know, decision-making and you don't spend as much time and energy up, upkeeping the stuff. Cause I mm-hmm. think we forget how much time we spend doing that. Um, but in addition, like I said, it's a lifestyle. So it's not just about the stuff. It's about being intentional about how we use our time, energy, and resources as well. And so, um, you know, the time I spent, online shopping, I now am using to get a doctoral degree, which is insane. Like that's how much time I used to spend just hanging out online and looking for things that I didn't even really need or even want, you know what I mean? Like it was just, it was like a habit for me and it became an addiction. And it was like a rush Mm -hmm. when I, when I clicked to buy and then it was a rush when it came and then that was gone. And so, um, learning how to manage my not so great, uh, resource and buying habits Um, and you know, there's so many great benefits to that. There's benefits that you have more time and energy and resources to use on what's most important. But then in addition, like it's better for our environment, it's better for more people have access to other things if you're not hoarding things. And so there's just a lot of great benefits to living more simply. Yeah. So many layers to that. I love that. 
I think that so many people will relate to what you talked about coming about addiction to spending or, and it's really not the stuff. A lot of times I find that we desire it's that act of like getting it. And then it comes and we're almost like bored with it. A lot of times anyways, stuff collects dust. How many things do we purchase or buy in that impulse? And then literally it just sits on a counter, sits somewhere collecting dust. And I think so many people are really going to relate to that aspect. They think, especially now with us having so much more time on our hands, lockdowns and all this other stuff. Um, I can only imagine that like online shopping has increased. You know, I think Amazon stocks like went through the roof during this time for just that reason. And so I think that is uh, really interesting. So I want to talk a little bit about your book. I talked about this in the intro. It was really cool. I had watched you on Lost Resort. I felt I just was so moved by your story. So I wanted to have you on the show. And then when I reached out, you had said, oh, I've just, you know, recently finished writing this book. So I was like, timing couldn't be more perfect. So I want to ask you, what is the title of your book and kind of what is your book about? Yeah. So it's called Christian Minimalism, Simple Steps for Abundant Living. And so basically it kind of does what I do on my blog, a similar thing, but just goes into more depth and um, organizes it in a different way. And so um, I really enjoyed working on it because it was a different format than the blog. Like the blog, you kind of do little bites mm -hmm. <laughs> every time you post, whereas this is, you know, long form and you can go in much more depth and much more detail. Yeah. Um, and it, it's both. So one of my big things about it is it's, it has both theory and practice because I think a lot of times I get frustrated with books when it, they're just one and not the other, like mm -hmm. and you need both. So you need the why we're doing this and what, what the theory is behind it. In addition to what is the practical aspects of it? What are some ways you can incorporate this in your own life? And so um, I was very intentional about putting that all in the book at the same time <laughs> to make sure that you had both and. Um, and honestly, like I connected to the Christian faith, but I don't think it, if you're not Christian and you read it, you're still going to get a lot out of it. Mm -hmm. um, there's still, I mean, you're still going to get the spiritual aspect out of it, even if you're, you're not into Jesus. I think that's fine too. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, so it was a lot of fun to write and um, I'm excited. I love that about what you said about, you know, having the reason why, you know, um, my spiritual spirituality is a little bit different than yours, as you probably know, but that's been one of the things on my own journey that like, you know, all, we have all these people saying like, do this ritual or do this thing. And I'm always like, but why? Like, I can't connect to these things if I don't understand. And then once I gain that understanding behind it, whatever is moving that, then I can really make that connection to the practice. But I love that. I think that's so important. And I feel the same way as you. I get really frustrated when people are telling me or giving this advice on practice, but I'm like, but I also, I want to know why, the why to it. And so I love that. I'll be really excited to have a read of your book as well, for sure. So this kind of leads into my next question because you kind of said, regardless of if someone necessarily shares the same faith as you, you think that anyone can get a lot from this book. So my next question was kind of like, who do you think this book can best serve? Yeah, I think it's anyone who thinks that simplifying your life and focusing on the most important things would be helpful. Um, and, and obviously it's, it's from a Christian standpoint, so there's spirituality and faith aspects to it, but you can take with it what you will. You know, like Marie Kondo um, is from the Shinto religion, 
And, you know, I read her stuff and there was some really great stuff in that. And then other stuff I was like, that's not working for me. And that's okay. You know, mm-hmm. you, you take what, what you think is going to work best for you. Um, and if you have any sort of spirituality, you're going to relate to a lot of what I'm saying regardless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I always tell people there are so many different paths. And imagine if we all followed that same path to that connection with source energy, it would be a pretty boring existence for us as human beings. And I think part of that mystery and fun is seeing the different ways we can connect to that source energy. And I know for myself, you know, I was raised Southern Baptist. I've been baptized Mormon. I've tried out a lot of different faiths and I have found value and meaning in each one of those different faiths and brought certain aspects. Like you said, I think we can take what resonates with us and incorporate that. And then what doesn't, you know, we can leave that behind. And so I I agree. I have kind of a mod podge of belief systems that I work with and, and I love it that way. So I love, I love that about your book as well. I think there's common threads between traditions too. There, oh my gosh, there so is. I mean, you see the same concepts, even the same stories, the same messages repeated over and over. So absolutely, yes, there definitely are those common threads that I feel like, like you said, if you're even spiritual on any level, you're going to relate and understand and resonate with certain aspects of those spiritual writings in your book. So what inspired you to write the book? And I'm curious, like, did you start writing before or after the show? And how long did it take you to write your book? Uh, So I had been, I started my blog um, in January of 2018. So I've actually been doing it for almost three years, which is crazy. (laughs) Um, So, so I was writing way before I ended up doing the retreat on the show. Um, and in fact, I had started the process of um, writing a book proposal and, and trying to decide what that was going to look like um, about a year and a half into the blog. Um, and quite frankly, traditional publishing is very hard to break into as a nonfiction writer. Um, it just is. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, they want a known entity a lot of the time. And so um, I, a lot of rejection, which is fine. And it, it was around that time where the retreat and the show were a possibility. And I was like, you know what, I have a lot of stuff I need to work through in my own life and maybe that will help inform my writing. So I'm going to, I'm going to go for it. (laughs) Um, And I did. And so, and that was great. And honestly, it was funny. I got back from filming and um, it was before the show was airing. So I couldn't tell anybody (laughs) I'd gone on this huge life-changing retreat. Um, And I got an email from a publisher I had sent stuff to back in the fall before I went for filming and they didn't even know about the show. Um, and they were like, Hey, we're interested in your stuff. And I was like, Oh, okay. So you just never know because people hold on to stuff and they look at it months later. And so, um, this is my pep talk for anyone who's trying to break into any new industry. Just keep at it because eventually someone is going to see the value of what you're doing. (laughs) I think that's such a testament to that when we're living in alignment, those things will just begin to fall into place. And you mentioned like you had gone on this retreat, had this experience, and then all of a sudden what you had been working for just kind of fell into place automatically after that. And I think that it really is a testament to living in that flow and how when we kind of try to push things, but we're not in the right space, we'll run into that resistance. But once we enter into that space and open up for it, those things just kind of fall in our lap. And I think that's amazing. And I love 
you know, the pep talk on not giving up as a fellow author, I can say it, unless you have like thousands upon thousands of followers, it's really hard to get anyone to pay attention to you. It really is, you know? And so um, I love that story. I think that's so awesome. And so when is your book, is it out now or is it still? Yeah, it's coming out uh, May 17th is the release date. So it should, hopefully the, um, the pre-order link should be up hopefully at the end of this month, if not by the end of the year. And it's through church publishing. So if you go on the church publishing website, uh, hopefully the pre-order link will be up soon. Oh, how exciting. And I'll make sure and include that link in the information box as well. So people know where they can like stay updated on that. So what impact did the healing work that you did on Lost Resort have um, in your work as a pastor and now author? Yeah, hugely. Um, I, <laughs> I didn't think it was, honestly, I, I, I sort of compartmentalized when I went on the retreat. I was like, you know, I had a lot that happened in my life that I haven't really dealt with and I haven't really been able to move forward. So um, I'm going to go and work on that stuff. Um, not really thinking about like holistically, it makes sense that <laughs> that mm-hmm. would affect me and my work as a pastor and also um, as a writer. Um, I, I knew that it could, but I didn't know the extent. Um, and it, uh, one of the big things I would say is like claiming the identity as healer. Like that's not a thing I've ever necessarily thought of as a Christian pastor. That's not, we don't tend to use that type of language. Mm-hmm. And so the idea of people in ministry as healers was kind of a cool thing that I hadn't thought of until I went there. And so I've kind of claimed that identity as like, you know, you're healing the world through the work you're doing as a pastor. Um, and obviously that's going to look different than other folks who call themselves healers who do it in different ways. And that's okay. Um, and so that was, that was a huge thing for me. And also anytime you're healthy, you're what you're doing to help others is going to be that much better because you know that you have all the energy <laughs> and ability and spirituality to connect to people. Um, when you're not as healthy, it's harder to do that effectively. So Oops. for sure it would made a huge difference. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's so true. I mean, not only is it harder to connect to the people we're working with, but I mean, when we don't have that connection, we're not really acting as that clear channel. And I think, you know, that's such an important aspect of of the work we do as, you know, quote unquote healers and whatnot is really just keeping that channel open and allowing that energy to flow through us and out into the world. And so I think, yeah, keeping that channel open is so important but i was curious so when i was watching your story on the show because you are of a more traditional faith and then you're kind of like in this situation with some pretty woo woo healers like <laughs> i mean i am pretty wooey but there was some woo on the show i was like oh wow they're really going for it <laughs> um, abundant woo yeah. So how did that mix with your more traditional faith? Like, did you have any hesitation about some of these modalities that were being introduced to you or how did that mix with your beliefs already? Yeah. So a couple of things. Um, I grew up in an interfaith household. So uh, my dad is Jewish and my mom is Roman Catholic and now I'm Lutheran. So, you know, <laughs> just like having family gatherings is an interfaith experience. So, so for me going into a situation where I'm dealing with different um, faith and spirituality traditions was not weird. 
um, too much for me, even though I'm a Christian pastor. Um, and at the same time, I went in uh, deciding that I was going to be open because I didn't want to waste this life-changing experience. Like I, I, I didn't want to regret later, like come home and be like, I wonder if I'd get, if I'd really been open to it, if that would have done something different for me. So I decided for the most part, I was going to be open to everything, unless of course it triggered my chronic illness, in which case I would have to modify it, which I only had to do one and a half times. <laughs> so, so yeah, so I was super open with it. There was only one time it was during the ancestral fire ceremony. I had to um, modify it a little bit just so I was a little more comfortable with it as far as um, doing that type of ceremony um, with my Christian faith. But otherwise I didn't modify anything else. Yeah. Yeah, I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to be open and see what God's up to because God can work through pretty much anything. So we're going to go for it. <laughs> I love that. And I love your willingness to be open. You know, I kind of mentioned that I grew up in, you know, a Southern Baptist home as a child. And whew, I've had to work through so many blocks because I was just drilled into my head. Like, if you do this, you're going to be demon possessed. If you do this, you'll be demon possessed. And like, even now, as a 41 year old woman who's like logically worked through that stuff, I still have to struggle with some of those fears sneaking in sometimes and even some of the work I do. And it's just like that conditioning has been so strong. And so I was really curious about that when I watched the show, but I love that you are able to just accept. And I'm sure, like you said, you're kind of family dynamic is a bit different to where you already kind of have, like you said, those interfaith gatherings. And so I think that makes, you know, for a lot friendlier atmosphere for those different beliefs to come in. But I think that's truly beautiful and your willingness to be open. It's so important. We really get from something what we're willing to put into it. Right. And so someone could have gone and done the same thing as you and walked away and been like, Oh, I didn't get anything out of that because of a lack of openness. So I think that's truly amazing that you're able to just embrace that experience. Well, and I think, you know, there's a wide range of Christians <laughs> mm -hmm. and their views on this. And so, and even, um, they didn't show this on the show, but after the ancestral fire ceremony, um, Thea and Christine and I all kind of talked through um, what it was like as Christians to do this, this ceremony. Um, and we were from all different backgrounds, right? So I'm Lutheran, Christine's Catholic, and Thea's evangelical. Mm -hmm. um, and so even in that conversation, I was like, listen, like the line's going to be different for everybody. So you can say, hey, I'm not comfortable doing this. Um, or you can say, hey, I'm going to modify this. Or you can say, hey, I'm going to do it all the way and see what happens. And like all those answers are right answers, <laughs> depending on where, where you are and, and what your worldview is. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more with that. So what is one piece of advice you'd like to offer to my listeners today? Keep it simple. I love it. And then lastly, um, and I kind of already asked you when your book will be available. You said the pre-sales soon. Where will people be able to find your book once it does become available? Yeah. Um, so it'll definitely be through the church publishing website. It should be on Amazon as well. Um, and obviously eBooks are a thing. So, um, if you're more of an eBook reader, that'll be available as well. And I've, I'll probably have the link on my blog. My blog is christianminimalism.com. So I'll probably have the link on there as well. Okay. And I'll also have that link available for my listeners as well. So they can learn more about your work, keep up with your book and all the exciting things happening in your life right now. 
Thank you so much for joining me. This was really exciting, um, very informational. Like I'm really looking forward to reading your book because I think there's gonna be a lot that I can take from it in my own. I don't, you can see, my listeners won't be able to see, but I have quite a bit of stuff that I could probably begin to downsize myself. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I, I really appreciated the conversation. I love talking to people from different backgrounds and, and how minimalism can change their life. So. so again, I want to thank Becca for being here with me today and sharing with us a little bit about her work and her new book. And I also want to thank you for tuning in today. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure that you subscribe so you never miss a single episode. I have some really great ones lined up for season two. So as always, I am sending so much love to each and every one of you.